Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. Why don't you turn to somebody and welcome them, greet them, let them know you're glad to see them tonight. Amen. Anybody glad the glory of the Lord is here tonight? Amen. The Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. So when you see people get together and begin to praise God, that means his glory is present. Amen. Amen. We are excited tonight. We have uh, taken the mo- most of the month of July, and we have got some of our young ladies that we have asked to speak. And I know last week it was Claire and Sister Carla, and they both took a little bit of time, and they ministered. And uh, I wasn't here, and, and I was in the middle of a service in West Virginia, so I wasn't able to watch, but I am uh, planning to go back and watch. But Brother Roberts told me they both did an incredible job. Amen. So we're thankful for their ministry. And tonight, uh, we've got two more of our young ladies coming, and uh, one at a time, of course. But Sister Khadijah is getting ready to come here in just a moment. But, amen, we, we're so blessed. Amen. Sister Khadijah is known well beyond living hope. Uh, for She's uh, multi-talented, and her photography skills and uh, graphic skills, there are churches I go to. All the time I go to churches and they say, we're trying to uh, pattern our social media after what Living Hope does. And Sister Khadijah is a big part of that, probably the main part of that. She has come in and really helped us uh, do a great job in our social media. Just so many things. In fact, we recently had to meet and talk to her about some ways she can scale back a little bit. Because she's getting ready to go into, I think, more college and full-time, more hours at work. But I think Khadijah is one of them people that she would just keep... If there were 25 hours in a day, she'd give 25 hours to the church if she could. But we're so blessed to have her here, and we want her to come right now and minister to us. Love you. Hey, guys. <laughs> so I'm kind of nervous, so bear with me. Um, I just want to take a moment, and it never gets old saying this. I'm so thankful for the leadership that we have. I'm thankful for Pastor and Sister Valerie and Brother Roberts. I don't think we know how blessed we are. When you go to other churches and you see how they they function and they go and you see their leadership, I'm like, oh, there's no place like Living Hope. So I'm just thankful for my leadership and they're more than just pastors, they're family to me. So I thank y'all for this opportunity and I don't take it lightly. And like I said, I'm nervous to be up here, but I know that God gave me a word and I hope y'all preach with me and teach with me. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know God's gonna move no matter what. So. Okay, if we could turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And if you don't have your Bible and or a cellular device, it's on the screen. So there's a backup for you. So 2 Timothy 6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of my hands, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the three gifts from God. 
So can we just put our Bibles down? And if we could just take a moment and just pray and just put our minds on Jesus, if we could just open up our minds to what he has. This word is for everyone here. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd have your way tonight, God. I pray that you'd minister, Lord Jesus, and I just pray that our hearts would be open to you, God. Whatever you want to speak, Lord God, I pray that you would speak it, Lord. I thank you for what you're going to do and what you've already done tonight, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for this word. Let it go forth in your name, on Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. So, I'm probably going to be extremely alone in this thought, but has anyone snuck in a little Christmas music or like started their Christmas list or posted something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I appreciate the hands because it makes me feel a little bit better. But there's no shame. I have jammed out to a few Christmas songs with my windows down, just jamming out and it makes me feel great. So it's okay. But it made me think about that we all have some sort of gift that has a special memory or we cherish it. It's, it's important to us. It could have been a gift from 10 years ago or a gift you just got yesterday but when we think about it or we see that gift, we're filled with the same emotions just like we got it for the first time. It holds that special place in your heart. So tonight, I brought a gift with me that's a little over 10 years old, and it holds a special place in my heart. So I brought it with me because, you know, made an illusion. So my dad gave me this bamboo stick literally like a little over 10 years ago. And it's really special to me. It's one of the, one of the few gifts that I still have for my dad. And... It holds a special place in my heart. He cut it down. It's a really quirky gift. It was like bring your child to work day. I don't even know if they still do that anymore. But he cut it down. I don't know if he was supposed to, but it's okay. But he cut it down, and it was just for me. I was so excited. Well, that's a gift for me. It was mine. And I remember when we moved into our new house, I could not find that thing anywhere. I was like, oh, my gosh, where did it go? What happened to it? I was completely heartbroken and really upset. And a few months, maybe a few weeks had passed by, and we found it. It was in the back of someone's car. And I saw that thing, and it was like I got it for the first time. It didn't make sense because it's just a stick. There's literally, like, nothing special to it. It's cracking because it's so old. But it was like I got it for the first time. So, oh, sorry, hold on. So, like I said, it was like getting it for the first time. And you're probably wondering, like, what does this have to do with anything? And why am I so emotionally attached to a bamboo stick? But I promise, stick with me, it makes sense. Paul took the time, <laughs> stick with me. <laughs> Paul took the time in 2 Timothy to just remind Timothy that he has gifts from God. So tonight, there are three gifts of God that I want to talk to you about. There, sometimes we get these gifts and sometimes they get tucked away, but they're just as important as they were the first day. And these three gifts that I'm going to talk about are the same ones. We may have forgotten that we have these gifts because we've been facing battles. We've been going through storms. We've been through a pandemic, but they're still there. Second Timothy 1 verse 7 states that he did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power love and of a sound mind. So the first gift I want to talk tonight about, talk to y'all about is power. We have power not because of our own strength, but because God gifted it to us. Isaiah 40:29 says, "He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have not might he increase strength." The New Living Translation said, "God gives us power to those who are tired and worn out, and he offers strength to the weak." So that power that God's given us it's strengthened in our weakness. His power is perfect in our weakness. Second Corinthians 12 tells it, says it, or 12, 9 says it to us. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, 
For my strength is not made perfect in weakness, but most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His power is literally settled on my heart. The English Standard Version says, my power made perfect in weakness. So when you're weak, you literally have the most strength because it's made perfect. It's right in him. It's okay in our weakest moments to be a little weak. It's okay. I know society is like, ah, we're not weak. But in that moment, in my weakness, God's stronger. He's more powerful. Verse 10 goes on to talk about being content in my weakness. And I know it's kind of weird because you just told me God's my strength. But just embrace that weakness. Be content to know that, okay, even though in this moment I am weak, God is still strong. He's going to get me through it. That doesn't mean we're not going to hit bottom or we're not going to go through things and life's not going to weigh us down. But even in those times where we're weighed down, God's power still rests on us. In my weakness, his power still rests on me. Now, this power won't help us flip trucks or be like a superhuman like Samson, but it gives us a boldness. Acts 4, 29 through 31 says, okay, wait a minute, sorry, I feel like I'm going really fast. It says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that they with all boldness may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Literally, boldness. I know that's not the only word in that scripture. But the power that we get from God gives us a boldness. There's nothing else in this world that can give me a boldness to stand against enemies, battles. But the power of God that we have in us gives us boldness. The gift of power changes our prayers and the way that we speak. So that when we lay hands on the sick, they're healed. We're not just saying little pretty prayers, but we're speaking healing over them. That they're changed. So when you pray with that gift of power, something's happening. It's not saying the same. God's still moving through it. It's power. It's not a gift that we're born with, but it's a gift that God gives us through our trust and faith. Brother Roberts talked about it on Sunday, that they come hand in hand. We have to have that faith. We've got to have trust to believe that God can do that. They work together. You can't do one without the other. So when you plug all those things together and you work with those things, God's power begins to work in us. In Rick Warren's Daring Faith devotional, he says, the reason why you have a power shortage is because you're not plugged in to God's power. It can't get more simple than that. Your light's not going to turn on if you don't plug it into the wall. So why do we think we're going to have power and a boldness if we're not plugged into his power? So we need to plug that gift of power back into our life. It's time to take that power back. It's time to get that gift ignited again because we're going through a revival. I don't know about you guys, but I know it's happening. There's a revival happening in Living Hope. It's not already past us. It's not behind us, but it's in front of us. We're going into it. So we need to plug into that gift of power and know God's giving us a fresh boldness. We can't be weak. We can't be timid. We can't be scared. But we've got to walk with that gift of power. The next gift that I want to talk about is the gift of love. He poured his love into us. Romans 5 and 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured into our hearts, the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. He poured into us his love. We didn't deserve it. We didn't know what was happening. But as soon as he did it, we were made something completely different. That love was different. 
His gift of love doesn't just stop between him and or him and me. It doesn't stop between us. When I first started working on this lesson, I kind of had a different understanding of this scripture. And I thought that the love he was talking about was just the love he gives us on a daily, a daily, daily walk with him. But once I looked into it a little bit more and prayed about it a little bit more, this scripture is more than just the gifting of his love, but it's the gift to show love like he does. We are living in, from what I can experience, I'm only 25, but the darkest times. Our world is broken. Our world has lost faith and trust in so many things, but it's time for it to be placed back into God. We've been putting our trust and faith in the wrong things, but now it's time to realize that God's got a gift of love for me, for you, for everybody that's around us. So that gift of love is to help those that are hurting in the world. He didn't just give it to us to stay with us. What power is that to know that well, God gave me love to give it to someone else. It wasn't meant to stay in me because he knows that his world's going through it. His children are going through it. So in this dark time that we're living in, we need that gift of love. We were commissioned to share the gospel, and we can't do that without love. We can't share the gospel with someone. We've got hate on our heart, and we've got bitterness out on our heart. But that gift of love is going to take that bitterness out and be like, you know what? I'm going to love you like Christ loved me. I may not have the ability to, to die on that cross, but he gave me the ability to love, so I'm going to use it. I'm going to put it into action. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. So that means putting away our pride and putting that love on. It means putting that love into our heart so that when we see a hurting person or we walk up to a person, we're having a conversation in a coffee shop, when we see their hurt, we can give them our love. Like I said, we'll never be able to show that ultimate love that Christ showed to us by dying on a cross. But he gave us a piece of that love. He gave us the ability to show compassion, grace, and mercy on others. Where would we be if we didn't have God's gift of love? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be standing here. If I didn't embrace God's love the way that he gave it to me, I wouldn't be here. So who am I to hold back the love that God's shown me when there's other that are hurting out there? He gives us a pure and genuine love that will help us turn from evil. And I don't know about you, but more than ever, we need it in this world. We need it. We need God's love so that we are turning away from the evil things. Temptation is on the rise. Hurt is on the rise. But Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine and abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So God, I'm taking on your love today so that I can take on what's good and shut the evil out. This world doesn't have anything for me, but I know God does. So I'm going to shut the things of this world out and take on what he has. I was listening to a song last week, and it just says, there's no greater love than his. We don't deserve it, but there's still no greater love than his. So for a world that feels like they don't deserve anything, let's give God's love. Let's take that gift up of love and give it back to this world. Let's remember that we do have a God that died for us on a cross, that we do have a God that said, I'm here for you. I give my love to you so you can give it to others. And then the last one I want to talk about is the gift of a sound mind. So self-discipline is, is hard. <laughs> Like, that's just the honest reality of it. But he gives us the gift of it. 
I don't know about y'all, but I often forget about my self-control, especially when it comes to food. I love to eat, and I don't know where it all goes, but it's okay. (laughs) I don't want to know. But, you know, things like that, and just we lose our self-control. Going shopping, money, good paycheck, you know, it's time to spend. You got to raise. I'm going to the store. But got to calm ourselves back down. And we're like, okay, I have self-control. I can do this. I'm good. In all seriousness, God gave us that self-control. We have it, I promise you. So next time you're in the store, you get a paycheck, just remember, God gave me that self-control. I can do it. I got this. But that self-control works in the more spiritual aspect than just spending your next paycheck. And when our flesh wants to rise up against us, or even when temptation's in our face, God gave us self-control. He gave us a self, sense of self-control and discipline that will stand up against that temptation, that will stand up against our flesh and say, no, I'm going to please God. You might want me to do the other thing, but no, I'm going to please God. The gift of self-control lives in us to make us like Christ. Romans 8:29 says, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, don't go thinking you're like God. You're not him. You're like him. We're like a little clone. But, you know, we have to go. He's still in charge of the things we go through, but he still gave us that self-control to know, like, when you're going through things, remember what would what would Jesus do? Like that, those cheesy, like, wristbands that they had. You guys still remember that. We still got to be like Jesus. He gave us that self-control. But when we believe and we're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, we can't still be like this world. That gift of self-control is instantly put on us when we come out of that water. We're made new. We're made like him. And what power does that mean to know that, like, whoa, I'm like Christ. Like, I can do this. I can make it through the situations I'm going to face because I'm like him. That self-control makes us in an image of him. We're very new and we're made like him. So don't go letting the world think that they've got one up on you because you have Jesus in you and you've got the gift of self-control. Don't let this just be some cliche of what would Jesus do? No, literally, what would Jesus do? If he's in your situation, what would he do? How best can I get through that situation? Because I am like him. I'm made in the image of him. First John 4 and 4 states, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm going to say that one more time. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in me. Look at yourself and say me. Point at yourself and say me than he that is in this world. So when the enemy wants to come against you, you can look at him and be like, oh, no, I'm God's child. I am his. I've got that self-control to defeat you because I'm more than what you think I am. I'm more than what you say I am. I'm more than what this world may make, try to make me think I am. But I'm like Christ. I've got to put that Christ mindset on and just know that I have self-control. I am like him. It gives us that strength to be like Christ, to be self-disciplined. When we put off the old and we put on the new, just like Ephesians 4.25 says, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We can't be the same. We can't do the things that God's called us to do by staying the same way. We have to put on that gift of self-control and of a sound mind and know that, God, I'm changed. I'm going to be like you today. I'm going to rise up 
up a little bit different. I'm going to wake up a little bit different this morning because I've got self-control. I'm going to wake up a little bit different because I know my God is in control. Even when I don't know how I'm going to make it, he's still in control. When I don't understand how tomorrow is going to look, he's still in control. So if God can do it for me yesterday, he can do it for me again. If he can make mountains move, that means I can too. I can speak to those mountains. We talked about it earlier, that God gives us the ability to heal. Now, it's not just me on my own, but it's him in me. He gives that ability to lay hands on the sick. So we can't forget that self-control is being like Christ. I may have overthought this a little bit when I preached or was looking at this message and kind of looking at what I wanted to talk about. But in each scripture, every time I read this scripture in the different translations, they were listed in the same order. It was always power, love, and self-control, or power, love, and of a sound mind. They were always listed in the same order. But I think it's because it's one of, self-control is one of the hardest gifts. We have flesh. We're dealing with human desires. We're dealing with all of those things. And our flesh doesn't want us to look like Christ because it knows if it does, he wins, and it doesn't want God to win. But I know that we've all read the end of the book, and it's already won. So don't hesitate to let God do a little bit of a life change in you. Don't hesitate for God to step into your situation and take control, because we've got this. We're going to win. Look at Christ. He was betrayed back to back. The people he had guided and taught and gave lessons betrayed him, turned him in, but yet he had self-control. He loved them still. He was humble. He was gentle. So what's that say about us when someone turns their back on us? When someone betrays us and we let bitterness keep us back? If we're supposed to be like Christ, we got to remember that I still got to be humble. I still have to forgive because it's not worth missing out on what God has. Bitterness is not worth it. Letting someone's betrayal on us is not worth it because at the end of the day, God didn't betray you. It wasn't him. It was that person. So don't allow the works of the enemy or the works of our flesh to keep you from being like Christ. We have to have that self-control. If we truly activate this gift how many more things can we push, push away from us and conquer? How many battles could have been won that we just sat back and just let happen? So now if we could all stand as I come in and we'll close. Like I said, this bamboo stick ain't nothing special. There's no, like, money in it. It's just a withered stick. I've had it for 10 years. It's tired. It probably wants me to throw it away, but I'm not going to but it's still one of my favorite gifts. So how much more should we cherish the gifts of God? They're never gonna get old. They're never gonna get weary. They're never gonna crack like this stick is in my hand. They're gonna get stronger every day. Reading this scripture, I needed that reminder that I have power. When I'm feeling weak, God gave me that gift of power. So if you're feeling powerless, there's a gift for you. If you're feeling alone and unloved, there's a gift for you. If you feel like you've lost all control, there's a gift for you. 
So tonight, if we can just raise our hands and just, God, give us that surrender again. Lord God, remind me of those gifts, God. When I'm feeling powerless, God, you're still working, Jesus. God, I worship you, Lord God. I thank you for the strength, God. When I feel weak, your power is made strong, Lord Jesus. When I'm feeling unloved, God, you've given me that gift of love. I've got the self-control, God. I'm made in your image, Jesus. God, help me to remember, Lord Jesus, that I am your child. God, greater are you that is in me, Lord Jesus. God, I worship your holy name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we just thank God for those gifts that he's given to us. Amen. I have power. Tell somebody near you, tell them you're stronger than you think you are. Amen. Tell somebody, amen, I got love. Tell somebody near you, you can love in spite of what you think. You can love somebody. You can love your enemy. How do you know we got to have God give us that gift? That, that gift isn't given in our schools. That gift isn't given in our society, but God can give us that gift in self-control. Amen. Khadija had to start off with food and bring me under conviction. Actually, she backed off of that and moved on to some other areas. Amen. But we have self-control, the gifts that God has given to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Khadijah. What a great word. Amen. Amen. And before we, we're going to sing another song, and then Brooke is going to come and speak for a few minutes. Before the, she does that and before the music team leads us, we have a gift we want to give. Tomorrow is Brother Robert's 56th birthday. Amen. And... Obviously, we've all been through a lot this last year. Uh, Brother Roberts has probably had his, I think maybe he got some from what's on our plate dished onto his plate this last year. It's been a long year, but I was thinking today that how much, how I'm, I'm always thankful for Brother Roberts, but this last year when we were all praying and it didn't look good, uh, you know, you think about things. You, 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 you don't take things for granted quite as much as maybe you used to. And, and I want Brother Roberts to know that I am thankful for his ministry. I'm thankful for his friendship. Thankful for the man that he is. He's loyal. He's a man of integrity and character. And most every Sunday morning, he comes up here and brings us a word. If you've got a foundation in the Word of God, a lot of that you owe to Brother Roberts and his ministry. We wanted to come. We got a small gift. It's not as good as power, love, and a sound mind. But we do have a small gift we want to give to you. We love you. And if you get a chance, just a small gift from the church. If you got a chance before you leave here today and you want to bless Brother Roberts, amen, give him a quarter or a dime or $50 bill, something like that. Amen. Bless Brother Roberts and let him know you appreciate him. I could not do what I do. I promise you I could not do what I do without Brother Roberts. And uh, I appreciate him very much. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us. Amen. Praise the Lord, living hope. Praise the Lord. Wow, I got my amen corner over here. <laughs> I first want to start off by saying how privileged I am to stand before you tonight. I I don't normally speak. I'm normally the one singing, so this is 
outside of my comfort zone, but he likes to do that a lot, so here I am. Uh, no matter if it is to lead worship or to speak, um, I do not take it lightly anytime I'm asked to stand behind this pulpit. I want to say thank you to Pastor and Brother Roberts for entrusting me with this opportunity. Um, I'm so thankful for their leadership, and like Kadisha said, there aren't a lot of churches that entrust young people to get behind in the pulpit and use their God-given gifts um, and abilities. So why don't we just give a hand clap to our leadership right now? So thankful that they believe in us and they support us. Amen. Tonight, I want to start out by reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 36. And uh, these verses will be where I want to focus our attention tonight, but I'll be reading from several different verses, so just keep your Bibles handy. Amen. If you're there, say amen. I feel like you have to do that, so. If not, it's up on the screen. Amen. Hebrews 10, 35 through 36 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, Verse 36 says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Amen. You can be seated. The NIV says it this way. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that where you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And for just a few minutes, I want to speak on the topic of the reward of the remaining. And if we could, for just the next few seconds, I know I had you guys sit down, but I just want us to lift our voices right now in prayer, because I want God to have his way more than anything else that I say tonight. I want God to move in this place, and I believe that he gave me a word for somebody tonight. I don't know who it may be. It might be a couple of us, but I do believe that God wants to speak tonight. So if we could right now, lift your hands and your voices, God. We pray right now that you would come and have your way, Lord. God, I pray that you would make me your mouthpiece tonight, oh God, that every word that comes out of my mouth, oh Lord, let it go forth with authority and boldness, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that you would touch every heart and every mind, oh God, that we would receive the word that you have for us, oh God, that we would not only be hearers of your word, but doers, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you're going to preach with me or teach with me, like Sister Kadisha said, why don't you just clap your hands, give God some praise. Amen. And I feel like the only real way to start off any message is to give like a Hebrew or a Greek translation of a word or to give the definition. And since I didn't really have time to study out a Hebrew or Greek translation, I chose to go with a definition. Uh, the definition of remain is to continue to exist, especially after other similar or related people or things have ceased to exist. And I feel like that alone could probably preach for a while, but I'm going to continue. A similar definition says to continue to possess a particular quality or fulfill, for, fulfill a particular role. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And per perhaps tonight some of you have come and you're holding on to promises that God may have given you years ago and maybe you've begun to lose hope. You haven't seen these promises come to pass and you're beginning to lose confidence in your God-given word. 
you're beginning to grow weary in the waiting and you're getting to a point where you just want to move beyond where you've been. And maybe some of you are like me who you don't like to sit in one place for a very long period of time. It starts to get uncomfortable. You get bored in that position. So you just want to move. You just want to go away from where you've been. But I've come here tonight with a word from God. There is great reward for those who remain. You may not feel like staying It may seem like turning your back on everything God has promised you would actually be the easy way out. But let me remind you that everyone that has ever done anything great for the kingdom of God has had to sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice means waiting and remaining. 1 Corinthians 15.58 reads, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Turn to your neighbor and say, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you've said to yourself, there's just too many people walking away in my life. My mom's not living for God. My dad's not living for God. Grandparents aren't living for God. And it's just so hard to be the only one walking in truth. But I'm asking you tonight to listen to what I believe God's heart is saying to the church in these last days. I will reward those who remain. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And I don't care how old you are tonight or what it is you may be facing. God sees it and you will be rewarded for your faithfulness. Amen. And I know that we live in a world that thinks that we're promised comfort and that we're entitled a life full of rainbows and cotton candy. And as nice as that may seem, that is just not reality. Um, But James 1, 2 through 4 says, and I'm just going to summarize these verses Um, It states that we will, in fact, go through things in life. But it goes on to talk about how when we are able to remain faithful and steadfast unto the end, we will gain perfection and will be made complete. You're going to face things. You're going to go through things that will cause you to feel like you're the only one on earth who has ever gone through that situation. Am I the only one? Because there have been times where I'm going through something and I'm like, nobody on this earth can relate to me. I am all alone. And that's a lie from the enemy. You're going to face temptation. You're going to face things that make you feel uncomfortable. It's going to be things that you would rather not go through. But what differentiates you and everyone else is when you go through all of these things and you're still able to lift your hands with a thankful heart on a Sunday morning and you sing praises unto him when you wake up. That's what remaining looks like. And when I think of faithfulness and remaining, I think of a few different men in the Bible. And for sake of time, I won't go into great detail about their lives because I'm sure most of us are very familiar with all of these men. But I think of Noah and how he remained faithful and obedient despite the mockery that he had to endure. And God rewarded Noah by providing protection for him and his family during the flood. I find it very difficult to imagine something like me doing something as big as building an ark, especially because I feel like it'd be very out of place these days. And I'm not necessarily ark building material. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like weak. So 
And, and also, like, people laughing at me and saying hurtful things about me and my family, like, that hurts my feelings just thinking about it. So I would not be able to do that. No, probably had great strength. That obviously came from God. But, like, when I read the Bible and, like, different characters, I, I like to kind of put myself in their shoes, just kind of think about maybe what they were thinking, what their thought process was. And I imagine when God told Noah, hey, I want you to build an ark, there's going to be a flood. No one's going to believe you. They're going to laugh at you. If it were me, I would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that because I don't like it when people laugh at me and it makes me cry. <laughs> and I like, it just makes me really sad because <laughs> then I'm like, what did I do wrong? Anyways, I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent. You guys are like getting into the mind of Brooke tonight. So sorry. Um, anyways, so I have a lot of respect for Noah and for his family because I'm sure it wasn't enjoyable for his family either. But it's a great reminder for us in the day that we live in that in these last days when we're faced with people mocking us and persecution that we have to believe, we have to stand, we have to be steadfast in what we believe, stand firm in what we believe. Not only that, but you have to know what you believe. Amen. And I think, in, especially in the world of Christianity, uh, we kind of live in a day where they want to say that they believe this, but whenever it comes down to it, they don't have the slightest clue why they believe what they believe. So the way that you can do that is get in your word. Each and every day, you're, you, you build a relationship with God. Every day you wake up or whenever it is that you have time to, you make time to spend time in the word of God and to grow in a relationship with him, and he'll show you. I, I have learned that when I'm asked questions by people, like, why do you believe this? Why do you believe that? I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I just look at them and I'm like, I really don't have an answer for you. But it's when I go home and I, I seek the face of God and I'm hungry it reminds me of the story of Nicodemus. Whenever he came to God with that, that genuine hunger, God, he was willing to meet with him. He was willing to meet with him and give him all these answers. So if you'll come to him with a genuine, sincere hunger for the things of God, he's going to meet you where you're at, and he'll give you those answers. But we can't waver in our truth because it is what's going to save so many. It will save you and your family. This life that we live is our ark. The word of God is where we can run to when we're faced with uncertainty and chaos. I also think of Moses and how he remained obedient even though Pharaoh would not let his people go. And despite a speech impediment, I'm sure that was frustrating. I can't even imagine like being up here right now speaking to you guys. I'm already nervous. I can't imagine having a speech impediment too and trying to convince this very angry man that he should let people go, that he's very set in his ways on not letting go. Um, I'm sure it would have been very easy for him, though, to throw his rod down and out of frustration walk away. But because he remained faithful, God rewarded him by protecting him and his people by splitting the Red Sea. And then I think of Joseph and how he remained faithful despite literally everything being stripped away from him at the hands of his own brother, his own brothers, like enough that everything is stripped away from him, but it's because of his brothers. Like, I love my sisters. I would never do that to you guys. Riley, Cameron, keep that in mind. Like, I'm, I'm nice. I don't care what they say. I'm nice. <laughs> oh, you too. <laughs> no, it was just because they were right there. <laughs> 
Yikes, that is awkward. Um, I, yes, and I meant to, you too, you too, Dakota, especially you, Dakota, yes. Oh man, I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> okay. How I think about how he was lied on and wrongfully thrown into prison, but God rewarded his faithfulness by giving him everything he had lost and then some. And here's what I want us to take away from these stories of these men is that your reward is once you receive, or I'm sorry, the reward that you receive for remaining faithful and obedient is a relationship with the only one who can bring you out of your darkest situations, who can turn it all for your good. This world may be able to offer you a lot of good things, but I can promise you they cannot offer you joy unspeakable. They can't offer you a peace that surpasses all understanding. They can't take the very thing that was meant to destroy you and turn it around to be the very best thing for you. When you decide to remain, you will see every promise God has given you come to pass. And whenever I was preparing for this, um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't really know what direction I was going to go in for a while. I was kind of just sitting there and I was like, okay, I was reading these devotionals. I was kind of reading through devotionals and I was like, that's a good word. That's a good word, but I'm not feeling it. And I felt like God just kind of told me, I just want you to speak from experience. I just, where you've been, people are going to be able to relate to where you've been because you've been there. And more than likely there are lots of people in this room who have been where I've been. So that's, that's just all I'm going to do, and I feel like that's the best, that's what works for me the best is whenever I am speaking, I usually find that um, there's a greater response whenever I speak from experience. So I just want to share with you guys something that God did for me and is the reason why I so passionately believe this word that God spoke into my spirit. For the last two and a half to three years, I faced some trials and went through some things that I didn't think I would make it out of. I would face waves of depression. It would come out of, like, out of nowhere, really out of nowhere, and I didn't understand it. And the reason I say out of nowhere is because I have always been, like, whenever I, f I was faced with depression, it was like I felt guilty for being depressed because I, I live such a blessed life, really. I do. Like, my family is living for God. I've been in church my entire life. And I just live such a great and blessed life. So why in the world am I facing depression? And there were days when I would just wake up sad and in tears and would be bogged down with sadness all day. And I had no idea why. It was like this pit that I could not find my way out of. And if any of you have ever faced depression, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I lost friends. I was hurt. I was betrayed. And... I was broken, and I felt stuck. In all honesty, I wanted to give up because it seemed a lot easier than having to face all of this, and I didn't know for how long. I was very seriously contemplating turning my back on God and the promises he had made me. And I didn't say any, I don't say any of this tonight to make anybody feel bad for me because, first of all, like I said, I live a very blessed life, and God has been better to me than I will ever deserve but also because I know a lot of you have gone through it or are going through the same thing. I say this to let you know that I've been right where you are, and if you're going through that right now, just know that it does not define you. It is not who you are. Depression, anxiety, whatever it is that has 
had a hold on you for however long, that is not what defines you. Rather, what you are going through right now is meant to shape you and prepare you for what God has in store for you. Over the last couple of months, I've had an opportunity to do a little bit of traveling and to be a part of a few different events. And a few weeks ago, I got to be a part of Texas District Youth Camp. And uh, towards the end of the week, honestly, I went to camp and I was asked to come sing. So I was just going just to do what I was asked to do. I wasn't really expecting to go and like receive a great word from God. But God always likes to surprise us. So um, towards the end of the week, I had a couple of different people come up to me and they spoke a word from God into my life. And all of them spoke the same exact word, almost word for word, the same exact word into my life. They said, this season is over. You're stepping into a new season and the tears you have cried in this season are watering the seeds for this season. After, that I f after they had said that, I felt relieved because I had gotten to a point where I just, I was craving a word from God. I didn't really care where it came from at that point. I just wanted to hear the voice of God so badly. I needed direction. And even after hearing that word from two different people, I still felt like I needed clarity. Like, what did I need to do from there? What steps do I need to take? And it wasn't even a couple minutes later, I had someone else come up to me and he said, God has now put all the pieces of the puzzle together. You will receive clarity and direction. So obviously that was super cool. And I was like, all right, so are you going to give that to me? Like, you said that, where is it? <laughs> but fast forward a couple weeks later, and I'm getting ready to walk into the church for Unity Week. And I get a phone call from um, a very respected minister in our organization, and he began to speak into my life. And by the time that conversation was over, he had told me almost every single battle I had faced for the last two and a half to three years. In fact, he said exactly two and a half to three years. Things I hadn't even told my parents or pastor. These were things I had internalized and kept between me and God, and he straight up read my mail. And I don't know if any of you have ever had your mail read to you, but it's kind of scary. It's intimidating. It's like, I kind of wanted to ask him and be like, what else do you know? <laughs> like, I know he told you something else. But the one thing that he kept saying was, God has seen it all. He's heard every prayer and cry. He's watched you hurt. And he wanted me to tell you that that season is over. That part of your life is history. And you have just entered into your new season. And I don't say any of that to brag or to boast or to make you feel pity, but I wanted to share that with you tonight because I believe that for someone here tonight, God has seen the fact that you remained when everyone else, including yourself, thought that you were going to pack up and leave a long time ago. And he's, uh, he's telling somebody tonight that because you've remained, get ready. Get ready for what he's about to do in your life because he rewards those who remain. And I'm done, but I want to ask us if we could stand to our feet right now. And I believe that God gave me this word for a very specific reason. I felt it strongly actually in prayer. And I don't know who here tonight this relates to, who it's speaking to, but I don't want us to leave this building without receiving everything that God has for us. So I'm asking that right now we would just lift our hands, lift our voices. God, I pray tonight. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us 
every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.